Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. A new mental health bill in Ireland is expected to be the largest overhaul of the state's mental health laws in decades. And some of the mental health reform groups have warned that the current legislation is actually at odds with international human rights standards. The new legislation would strengthen regulation around people consenting to the type of treatment that they receive. But the father of three children who were killed by their mother in 2020, says that he actually doesn't think it goes far enough. Andrew McGinley is with us here on the programme today because it's something he's been campaigning on over the past number of years. Andrew, could you just explain, first of all, what these potential changes could mean? So I suppose for four years, I have campaigned for family engagement only to find out in the HSE review of our um, of Deirdre Morley's treatment that was issued to me late last year, that there was an element of family engagement. Now, I do not know the quality of that family engagement. It was with, I believe, members of Deirdre's family and a friend of hers. But um, for the new bill to hang its hat on the patient being uh, allowed to nominate a family member, I think in our case, it clearly shows that that process did not work. And for me, when there's children involved, I'm trying to campaign for the rights of a co-parent to be fully informed, fully advised, and fully supported. And again, when I reflect on our situation, had I been fully aware of everything that I'm now aware of, then I feel that the risk to Connor, Darren, and Carla would have been completely eliminated and they would be alive today. Just to explain that a little bit more, Andrew, to people, am I right in saying that's because um, Connor and, uh, and Dara and Carla's mom and uh, in Deirdre had had been receiving psychiatric care before yes, the killings? But, yes, but the, she had. You hadn't been made aware of the full extent of the illness. Is, is that right? I had one meeting with a clinician. I was not given the diagnosis that I can now see in the medical notes. I was not told that Deirdre Morley was expressing concerns about being around the children, that she did not feel safe around the children. I was not told, and as I, the information that came out at the trial, that Deirdre Morley had a suicidal ideation. So that was all kept from me. The one meeting that I did have put me at ease as opposed to putting me on alert and actually took me off guard as opposed to putting me on guard. And I presume that's probably because of, is it it patient confidentiality or was it just under the the current mental health laws? Is is that why, Andrew, you weren't... I I assume it's patient confidentiality. However, I would believe that once decisions are being made about a patient that will have an impact on others, then you cannot hide behind patient confidentiality. Because certainly decisions were being made by clinicians about me and Connor, Darren, and Carla that they shouldn't have been allowed to make. So they made a decision that they had a patient who had a suicidal ideation and who had expressed a concern about being around her children. And they made a decision to allow that patient to be around her children back home living day to day 
and in the house, our life was was normal. So I was all I was seeing was a normal, loving mother looking after her children. I was not informed of that that same person had expressed to her clinicians that she had a suicidal ideation and did not feel safe around those children. The new mental health bill um, that, that I mentioned, Andrew, and, and this is why we're talking about this today, because it's expected, I suppose, that it's going to overhaul our mental health laws here. Some of the reform groups have warned that, um, you know, this legislation would try and strengthen the regulation around people who are consenting to the, the type of treatment that they receive. You say it doesn't go far enough. What more then would you like to see included in this? Well, asking a patient to nominate somebody, if they're not nominating somebody who's part of the family dynamic, then it's it's pretty much useless because a nominated person, if they're not in the house day in, day out, if they are not a key member of the family dynamic, then all they're going to be speaking to the clinicians about is what they've heard from the patient. So. It, it just really doesn't make sense to have to have anybody other than a key uh, member of the family dynamic of the house, somebody who is living in the house day in day out. It, that's the only way you're going to get a true reflection of what is happening in the patient's life outside of their one or two hours of treatment every week. The other part that I feel that needs to have that needs significant discussion is capacity. So clinicians will turn around and they will say that a patient has capacity. And to simplify capacity, the way it was explained to me is that capacity is the ability of a patient to give instruction and to understand instruction. So you have a patient who is in treatment for their mental health, uh, where there's obviously uh, an issue with their with their mind, and your mind is where you formulate your thoughts and you you process your thoughts and you make your decisions. And clinicians are supporting that um, that mind by use of pharmaceuticals. And this certainly isn't anti-pharmaceutical, mm. but by their very nature, those pharmaceuticals are altering the condition of the patient's mind, hopefully for the better. So for a clinician to say that patient has capacity, whilst they're artificially altering the condition of that patient's mind, does not seem logical to me. For me, they should be declaring that whilst they're artificially altering the condition of a patient's mind through pharmaceuticals, then capacity needs to be supported in the same way. So by declaring a patient having capacity, it just seems to me at the moment to be an abdication of accountability and responsibility okay. by clinicians. Mary Butler, who's the, um, the the minister with special responsibility for mental health, Andrew, has said that the bill is going to allow, there will be provisions to allow people accessing mental health services to consult with family members, carers or any other person nominated by them during their course of treatment you think irrespective of that, if there's children involved, um, that the, the co-parent, I suppose, or the children's other parent should also be involved? You know, it doesn't matter who the person nominates as their, their chosen spokesperson. 
I believe that a co-parent has the right to be informed, advised and supported because you can nominate whoever you want. But I feel that I should have had a right to make the decisions that any decision that impacted Conor Dara and Carla, I should have been as a co-parent. I should have been supported in that. I feel that my right and the right of Conor Dara and Carla were removed through the um, the current setup. Do you, have you in any way, just out of curiosity, Andrew, um, like, have you had an opportunity to, to give your views on the bill or do you know what level of consultation there's been you know, with activists or, or with lobby groups or, or even, even you know, people like yourself? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I had one meeting with Mary Butler, I think it was back in 2021, but it was prior to the trial. It was prior before I knew actually what I know now. I mean, I've really been fighting for the last four years to, yeah, yeah. To, for facts and to know the truth. And there's still a number of things that I'm still not clear on. It was uh, just la- was it just last month was it was the fourth anniversary? Andrew? Yeah, on um, January the twenty uh, fourth. It's hard to yeah. believe, Andrew. It's, uh, and it is. It yeah, is, it is. and but I I know I, for you like that you've been you know as you say you've you've very much been very active in 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 lobbying and and um, in keeping Connor and Darren Carla's memory alive. Does does that help you in in any way, Andrew, to deal with what hap- what's happened? It does. I mean, the three legacy projects that I do, uh, Connor's Clips, Connor wanted a YouTube channel. So I, 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 I'm, I'm, it's hard to use the word happy, but I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. Or, you know, In as much as you can. Right. I understand what you mean. But yeah. I'm, I'm happy that I was able to do that for him. Good. Snowman for Carla as well with the, uh, the Independent every Christmas. We do a colouring competition because she loved colouring. They do help. And then the charity, we're doing our fundraiser, yeah. Walk in the Walk. That's right. Yeah. In April. So uh, I would ask everybody listening if they could support us on that. But those the, those projects do help. Yeah, but good. I'm driven. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't try to make the changes that I'm trying to make. Yeah. And I did write to Mary Butler, um, asking her to support uh, co-parents. The response I got was had three different type fonts in it, which would suggest that it was copy and paste. So I didn't even get the respect of a direct response from Mary. I also wrote to a number of politicians on November the 17th last year, including Roderick O'Gorman. I thought he might have an interest, um, as he has a responsibility for children, uh, to increase the protection for children. Um, I didn't even get the acknowledgement that he had received my correspondence. So I, I, I often wonder, as it's, two or three children a year who will die at the hands of a parent. I, I just wonder, is it, is, it, is it not enough children? And it's a horrible thought, but it just crosses my mind that with 200-odd road deaths, we talk about a litany of changes to be made mm. to save those lives, but we won't think about making changes that will protect two or three children a year. Andrew, listen, thank you for joining us here on, on Lunchtime Live today. And, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate your time. I, I know it can't be easy talking about it and, and you know, I suppose reliving elements of it as well. But but I, I do appreciate your time here on the show, show today. Take care of yourself. Brilliant. And if, if I could ask people if they would support our I Donate for Walk on the Walk uh, that's taking place in April. 
Absolutely. Andrew McGinley, thank you very much for joining us here in Lunchtime Live. Thank you, Andrea. Bye-bye. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.